Sky Carumba. A half-man, half-horse trots across the summer skies. Much of the world gets only a fleeting glimpse. Sagittarius is a southern constellation. From the northern half of North America, Europe, and other places at those latitudes, part of Sagittarius is up for just a few hours. Sagittarius, sometimes known by other names, has been an arrow shooter for thousands of years. In recent centuries, part of this constellation has come to be known as the teapot. Those of us too far north to see all of Sagittarius can only see the teapot. The stars of Sagittarius have mostly Arabic names. For three of them, one Arabic word is combined with Latin words to clarify their locations. Caus Borealis, Caus Media, and Caus Australis are the northern, middle, and southern bow stars, respectively. Caus Borealis is the top of the teapot's lid, if you prefer. Once you know which stars they are, it's not hard to imagine a curved line linking them to form a bow. It's also easy to remember al Nasl, the arrow's tip where the teapot spout would be. Nunki would seem to be the arrow's tail. It's actually an ancient Babylonian name for a capital city in the sky. It's in the teapot's handle. At the bottom of the handle is the unflatteringly named Askela. That's Latin for armpit, and it's where our archer's armpit would be. For those who get to see the rest of Sagittarius, Rukbat, the word for knee in Arabic, is the star in the creature's knee. And he also has an arkab, or Achilles tendon. Centaur is a word for a half-man, half-horse creature, but since another constellation is already named Centaur, we should be careful about using the word. Sagittarius is a centaur, but don't call it centaur or the centaur. Call it the archer instead. One way to find Sagittarius is by looking east of Scorpio, if you recognize it. Most viewers will look southward to find Scorpio, and Sagittarius will be a little to the left. If you're far enough south that Scorpio is to the north, look to the right. The teapot is on the meridian, that's the line overhead going from north to south, around midnight local time. Add an hour for summertime, if you have to do that in your location, at the end of June. Subtract an hour for every 15 days after that to determine when it will be highest in the sky. By the middle of August, it'll be there at about 9 p.m. Sagittarius is worth a look through binoculars. With minimal light-gathering power, you should be able to see about a dozen star clusters and nebulae, plus thousands of faint stars. Sometimes you'll come across relatively dark streaks where interstellar dust blocks from view whatever's behind it. The densest star field is in the area of the bow and arrow. Maybe in the right conditions, that spiral of the Milky Way galaxy will look like steam from the teapot. Venus is catching up to Mars this week. The red planet is moving eastward, but it looks like it's holding still with Venus in hot pursuit. Look for them in the evening just after sunset. The moon is close to them on the 11th, just before the planets are closest together. Venus passes Mars on the 12th and 13th. 
Saturn is a mid-evening riser. Jupiter rises a bit later, but before local midnight. The side of the Hyades V with Aldebaran at the tip points to Mercury in the morning. A thin, waning crescent moon is getting close on the 7th and passes it up by the 8th. The messenger planet is sort of a horizon hugger, so you have to find it in the morning twilight. Binoculars can help. What would you like to hear in upcoming Sky Caramba podcasts? Let me know. You can follow Sky Caramba on Facebook and on Twitter, and you can message me there. If I use your idea, I'll be glad to thank you for it in the podcast. Sky Caramba.